And I think that was helpful for having these, you know, Clay, Draymond Green, Steph Curry lineups. I think that the, the synergy there was really, really good. Yes. And that's why I don't think Clay is just like, oh, we could take out, we could take him out and put in any two guard that could shoot and it would be the same thing. I think that he had some strength that, that worked perfectly with that group. But I think in a vacuum, he's overrated in terms of his defensive impact. Courtney Lee or Clay Thompson? <laughs> right. we, 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 we've, we've taken this a little bit too far. This is Hot Hand Theory. This is the podcast where we talk about the NBA and break things down from an analytical perspective. As always, I'm your co-host, XJ. As always, he is my brilliant co-host, Jeff. And today, Jeff is not the only brilliant basketball mind that we have here. We have a very special guest. Um, I, w- I want to say if you listen to us, you almost definitely have to know who this person is. Um, you know him from the Strickland, which is a mainstay media outlet in the Knicks community and in the NBA community as a whole. Uh, we have Schwinny Pooh with us here. Uh, Schwinn, thanks so much for joining us and being our very first guest on the Hot Hand Theory podcast. How are you doing, man? Uh, I'm doing well. Happy to be here. Happy to pop your cherry. Um, so <laughs> there we go. Let's do it. Yeah, you always, was, I, I, you always remember your first, you know. <laughs> uh, I've been listening, and uh, I uh, I enjoy the pod. I enjoy uh, you know Jeff having existential crises about Emmanuel <laughs> Quickly's minutes load, you know, like every forty five minutes on the pod. So uh, it's always good to listen in all that. It'll it'll come up at least twice in this episode. So. <laughs> we're coming. You, you say that, and we're coming off a game he played nineteen minutes. So I guess now it's just it's going to be the only thing in my head as we talk about the next. <laughs> there was the first mention. There's two more coming. So three times now. Um, but for for our listeners, we have a kind of a, a fun a fun game or exercise we're going to do here with Schwinn. But but first, we want to just kind of talk some Knicks ball and just get Schwinn's overall thoughts on the season. Um, we're 19 games in close to a quarter of the season has passed. It feels like it flew by the Knicks are 12 and seven. Um, they have the 11th best offense and the fifth best defense, according to raw offensive and defensive ratings. Um, yeah, Shwin, what are your overall thoughts on the, on the team this year? Uh, to not, yeah, I did make a joke about, uh, Jeff having an existential crisis. Uh, not look not everything is perfect, obviously. Uh, there are things that I think can be improved, but like, I think people need to like relax a little bit. Like, they're 19 games in, right? So, like, you you can't win the championship right now. You can't win anything right now. You can win the in-season tournament, which the Knicks may maybe they'll do it, but you can't win anything right now. And if you go back to where we were at this exact point last year, 19 games in, I mean, I think all of us are probably you know maybe an exaggeration, but I was about ready to like blow my brains out watching this team uh, just misallocate minutes and, and just play bad players. And, and like, look, is that again, is everything perfect right now? No. Do I think that there, you know, there's things that Tibbs could shift that would give the Knicks a little bit more of a boost in their lineups and their net rating and blah, blah, blah. Yes, of course I do. Um, But like, if this is the things that we are worried about right now, we're in a pretty good place. Um, And I think like, broader like speaking more broadly uh about the state of the team like the main concerns coming into the season were what like okay are we going to be as good defense look can we improve our defense okay um is our off was our offense a fluke or is this something that's like you know maybe not third best in the league but like it'll be a good offense um are we too small like 
are 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 we gonna get killed on the glass? You know, maybe we underestimated something about Obi Toppin. Like, are we gonna get killed on the glass now? Are we gonna? Are, is the world gonna end that we don't have a true backup four, whatever the fuck that means? Um, and I think like you look at this team. Uh, I, I just I I think I have this memorized off basketball reference, but like I think they're eleventh in offensive rating. They're fourth in defensive rating. I believe they're fifth or sixth in net rating. Uh, they are first in defensive re- or yeah, first in defensive rebound percentage, second in offensive rebound percentage. Uh, they are seventh in three point percentage as a team, and they are eighth in three point attempt rate as a team. What the fuck are we talking about here? Like, this is a really good team, and and the best part about this team being as good as it is, is that there's a ton of scope for just like internal improvement. Like Julius Randle is at a fifty point eight true shooting or something right now. Like he's actually the last two games or the first two games. One, I thought he's actually played fairly complete basketball games. Like, which you know, you know, you get those from Julius, and you you better win those games. You got you got to win the complete Julius games. Um, he's played some complete games. He's also just played. He's looked better around the rim. He looks stronger when he's going to the when he's driven. He looks like he's got a little bit more of a burst back. I still don't – the three-point shooting is still – I mean, he had like three air balls from three in the first half against Detroit, which was insane. Um, but like even in that game, I thought his work inside the arc was good, and it looks like it's getting back to – you know, he's always going to have these weird stretches where you're like, can you just like stop doing everything for 15 seconds? Like please pass the ball. Please stop dribbling 75 times maybe kick out when you're getting triple teamed. Like you're always going to have those sequences of them, but those last two games, granted, it's not the stiffest competition, Pistons Raptors. Um, but like, I mean, he did what you want to see him do in those matchups. He dominated in a way that wasn't just like, Oh, Julius is like bullying his way to the rim and like getting 15 free throws. And just like, like, no, he, yes, he did do that, but he's also playmaking for others, but his decision-making was good. So like, there's a lot of scope for improvement from him very specifically. Even with Brunson, yeah, he's on a heater from three. That two-point percentage, is, I, I, I bet you by the end of the year, it'll be above 50. I, I, I don't even doubt it. I, I think it'll be – I think he was at 52 last year from two, um, 51 or 52. Like, it should be up around that range again this year. I would be surprised if it's not. Um, so, I think that's another improvement. Like, I, I mean, I don't know what the hell to expect anymore from R.J. Barrett on a week-to-week basis, so we'll see. Um, at some point, he'll probably dial up a seven-game stretch where we're like, is this the leap? And then he probably followed up with a seven-game stretcher. Like, is he insane? Um, so we'll see what happens there. Josh Hart. Like, the last two games from him have been really good. Um, I think he got up to a slow start this year. Obviously, he didn't have a full training camp. He was dealing with an injury after FIBA. Um, but, like, he looked – the last two games from him is exactly – that's the guy that we traded for last year. Forget the – you know, that he's making threes. It's not even about the making threes. It's about how he's playing, the force he's playing with. Like, you know, me and Jeff talked about this before, but, like, when he's going good, he brings an intensity and a tempo and, like, just a force to the game that nobody else in this team really can can provide. Um, and, like, you've seen that the last couple of games. And it's, like, you know, quickly the last couple of games, I actually think he's played well, but he hasn't been, like, at the forefront of things, right? Um, but, like, we are talking about a team that has had so many ups and downs early on. Um you know, I could talk about Hartenstein, who I think the last seven, eight games have not been his biggest fan. Not that he's been bad, but I'm just like, I know you can play better than this. Um, but like, you think about how bad of a start Brunson and Randall had, 
you think about RJ Barrett missed, you know, what was it? Five games in the middle of this whole stretch. Um, and we went from, Oh my God, is he our best player to like, right now I'm like, are you okay? Like, is everything good or what's going on here? Quentin Grimes has done nothing this year. He's done absolutely nothing. Um, and I imagine that at some point he will do some things, which would be an improvement. Um, and I, I believe that he will get better. Like, I, I, I don't think what is going on with him is that abnormal for young players in the kind of stage of his career that he's in. Um, I, I just think, like, his profile, how he plays, he'll be fine. He's just going through a really shitty spot right now. Um, and so you, like, look at all of this, and DiVincenzo, he's been kind of up and down, and the last couple of games he's went off. He's actually had a 58.6 shooting now for the year, shooting 43% from three. Um, like, the fact that we haven't really had a stretch where everything is kind of, like, together, and we're 12-7, and seven, and every metric that you could look at says this is a team that is a guaranteed playoff team, and I think we would all agree that Tibbs still has stuff that he can – definitely iron out and improve on it's a pretty good spot to be in all things considered it kind of feels like the inverse of 2021 2022 and i feel like you'll know exactly what i mean by that Schwinn, in the sense of they had a really soft start to the season uh from a schedule perspective that year and i remember um the vibe around the knicks was like man we needed to be better than what we are at this point in the season because the schedule is about to get impossible and now it's like Everyone agrees that the Knicks had one of the toughest starts to a season you could possibly have from a schedule perspective. And you factor in travel, back-to-backs, all that stuff. All that stuff. December's not getting any easier. They have 12 road games, I think, out of 15, maybe even more if they lose to – or excuse me, yeah, if they lose to Milwaukee, I think they'll get another road game on Thursday. Um, It's not getting any easier, and the Knicks just – so far the season are consistently overachieving what we expect. You know, I said to start the season, I would, I would sign up for five and five. I said that on our very first episode, I, w- I would have taken five and five. Um, 12 and seven is a dream after the start. And I, I just wanted to add that because I couldn't agree more with everything you said. Yeah. And, and also like 12 and seven, honestly, I'm looking at the schedule and I feel like, man, could be like 14 and five. Like, there are like a couple of games, like that Phoenix game, that Cleveland game. But these are the things, right? This is the long NBA season. You're going to have games that you're like, what a stupid loss. Even last year, like, people forget this. Like, yes, it was a fun season. It was awesome, obviously. It was, like, honestly, the best, like, the most fun I've had being an Knicks fan since fucking 99 or something. But, like, I mean, even last year, they lost games that were stupid, right? They lost a game with the Hornets. You remember that? Like, we had this, like, epic, like, oh, we beat Miami. We beat Boston. And you come home, and it's like – you have this listless performance against Charlotte. You had this weird loss to Orlando where like Julius is having a meltdown. Like there was the, a lot of the, stuff. The, the Dallas and Chicago losses back to back. Right. Yeah. Those were brutal back to back, but like the, like you're going to have stupid, annoying losses over the course of 82 games. It's impossible to avoid that. The fucking Celtics who we're going to talk about, um, you know, they lost to the Hornets. They literally lost to the Hornets. Like, bef- like before we played them. Um, so like, it's a long season. Good teams will lose to bad teams, and that's just the way of the world. But, like, 19 games in, if I told you before the season you'd be 12-7, I think every Knicks fan would have been like, great. And not just 12-7. and seven. Like, this is not – you remember that uh, the first Derrick Rose year when we first traded for him? Not not with Tibbs, but with, like, Hornacek. But that team started off, like, 16-13, and 13, but they had this insane negative point differential. And so you were just like, oh, like, this it's going to happen soon. This is going to suck. 
Uh, and it did, right? They, I mean, the end of that season was miserable. This team is the exact opposite. Uh, I don't even know. I mean, are they underperforming their Pythag at this point? I feel like they probably are. I think that uh, they are underperforming it. And their adjusted net rating is uh, plus 3.5. So adjusted for strength of schedule, they'd still be like six in the NBA in net rating. Yeah. So it's just yeah, like this- uh, basketball reference has them at 13. They're expected win loss at 13 yeah. and six. Yeah. But like, yeah, it just everything about this team feels like on the macro scale feels good. Like now, are there micro things to worry about? Sure. I, I just feel like, you know, look, I know you weren't saying this quite literally, but like, yes, I would. I like that Emmanuel quickly play more than 19 minutes. Absolutely. I also think like it's reasonable early in a season for a coach who has a new player in Dante DiVincenzo. And like, let's be real. It is a different rotation from what he's ever run in his career. Right. Like Tibbs is not used to like, oh, I'm going to sub out RJ first. And then he comes back in with the bench because I don't have a true backup for or whatever. Like this is him actually trying to adapt to a roster that is, you know, I, I'm sure if you gave him truth sermon, like, would you like to have a true backup for? He'd be like, yeah, I can't live without it. But like, this is him trying to figure stuff out. And so like, I'm a little bit more patient and understanding of that because I also feel like he actually has adapted a lot and he has progressed a lot as a coach. And like, I don't know, he, he earns a lot of credit for me with like how he managed last season. Like I'm totally with you every time you're talking about like, you know, we could do the minutes thing with him and how the rotations and like, if you start, you get X minutes. And if you come off the bench, like this is your cap of like, I, I, I get all that. And I agree with that. Um, but I also just feel like sometimes we get so lost in that micro stuff that like, it's hard sometimes as a fan of any sport of any team in 2023 to just like enjoy the moment. And I don't know, like I'm watching that Raptors game and I could be annoyed that like DiVincenzo, whatever, not even DiVincenzo, but like Grimes played more than quickly. Right. Like, I could, I, and I was annoyed about that, but I'm also watching that game and I'm like, it's kind of awesome that he can just like not play quickly and play DiVincenzo. And I'm not super upset about the choice. Like, I would prefer a quickly play, but I'm also like, Steven Chandler's on fire, so fuck it. Like, that's fine. Um, you know, you, I, I I, just think, like, we we can appreciate where we should try more, myself included, for sure, um, just to, like, you know, this team is really good. They're playing well. When they have games that are playing well, definitely appreciate it. Um, and, you know, just, like, you know, we're always, I mean, I listened to your guys' pod, what was it, last week or maybe it was two weeks ago, where you guys talking about, like, oh, Julius Randle, like, what are we going to do with this guy? Um, and I've had those conversations and thought about that forever, too. But, like, look, I, I agree with you, or with what you guys said on that pod. I'm, you know, I, obviously you two know this already. But, like, at the same time, and I struggle with this for sure, especially with Julius, because he's just such a fucking... I mean, I don't know if any basketball or any athlete has ever challenged me mentally to understand him the way Julius has. Um, but, like, it's okay that I think Julius needs to go for us to eventually become a contender and that I don't necessarily think that we're a contender right now. I think I can still appreciate what this team is, how they're set up for the future, and I can appreciate, like, what Julius brings to the table right now for this team. Like, he's not a total negative value player. He's not some bum. Like. He's frustrating. His bad times are super loud and very frustrating and honestly, like, just, yeah, very, very irritating. But, you know, uh, he's been part of, like, this team's – or this franchise's turnaround, I should say, a pretty key part of it. Um, and, like, 
in this moment in time, we need him because that's just how it is. And I think it's okay to appreciate that while like understanding long term. Hey, look, like I probably this is not the guy for us that's going to take us over over the top. Um, without will Leon Rose in the front office agree with us? We will see. Um, but like you know, for right now, I think it's okay to just enjoy this season for what it is and enjoy like. I mean, when's the last time the Knicks had legit nine guys that were all good NBA players? Minimum. Like that's not normal. That's not normal. For most teams, you know, like you look at OKC, awesome. They're having a great season, right? I look at their bench and I'm just like, is Jalen Williams not 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 J Dub, other Jalen Williams? I'm like, is he good or does he just get minutes because they don't have a five other than Chet? Like, you know, I'm not I'm not even I'm not trying to shit on them. It's more just like there's a difference between having drafted a lot of players and having fun prospects and actually having nine legitimately good NBA players, most of whom are pre-prime or just entering their prime. Um, aside from Julius and Hart, everybody else is either pre-prime or entering their prime. Um, that's a really great spot to be. And like, I don't know what this team is going to look like in a year or two years, whatever, but I don't think it'll look the same. Um, so enjoying this team for what it is and enjoying the depth we have and the quality pieces we have and that, you know, Tibbs can mix and match more and, you know, I wish he would do it more, but like, you know, th that he does have these options. And, you know, I, I just think it's like really nice to root for a team that's good. Yeah, I, I think that's all extremely well said. It's it's a it's a very beautiful message about enjoying the journey <laughs> and, and not just looking towards the, the, the end result. But I would say. Everything you said is well taken and and totally accurate. Um, I enjoy. I mean, that Toronto game that was like my most fun game of the season and my most right. fun game since the playoffs last year, since any of the Brunson eruptions. But and I also thought that was specifically Julius Randle. That's the best yeah. I've seen him play in a really long time, going back to last year, in my opinion. He, he just, just so under control in that game. So under control. The facilitation, not speeding himself up too much, kind of knowing exactly what he wanted to do. Even his decision making was crisper and quicker. Uh, than I've seen it in a really long time. And destroyed Siakam. I thought he just absolutely totally destroyed Siakam. Used OG like I. I know you're not the biggest OG fan. That was not a good game for the OG crew <laughs> that that want to bring him here because Randall completely dominated that matchup. And um, we saw a weakness clearly of of OG is is his strength is not up to par with some of the strongest fours in the league. And and Julius Randall is absolutely that. So I I I personally I largely agree with you. At the same time. Uh, I'm much more neurotic than both of you probably. And w along with that comes that I'm just always thinking about the future. I'm always thinking about the future. I'm always thinking about what's next. I'm always thinking about the, the end goal and, and how can we get there and are we on track to that? So I think it's helpful for me to think about taking a step back from that sometimes and just enjoying the moment. But it is my nature to gravitate towards that. So I... Yeah. You're a front office guy. I'm like a coach. I'm a, I'm a coach. Guy. I'm like, no, <laughs> we just got to live in the moment, guys. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. What we have in this locker room. Uh, no, like, but like <laughs> honestly, I say this because this, like, I'm a Bills fan. And so, like, like the last three years, I would say, it's like every season is just like, well, if we don't win the Super Bowl, this season's fucking awful. And this season has been the most frustrating season for so many reasons that I talked with Jeff about this uh, last week on, on, uh, strictly NFL, but like, so like comparing that to like 
where the Knicks are, where the Knicks are like, you know, they're, they're trying to be good. So this is not like they can't like, you know, finish the season and the play in and like everyone's like, oh, well, it's still a good season because this team is young. Like, no, it's not like that. Like they're trying to be good. So there is some pressure there, but like it's not I don't think anybody really is under the impression that this team's like, well, they got to contend. Right. It's like no matter how many times ESPN wants to be like, well, what's their like, what's their ceiling past the second round? I'm like, I'd love to get to the second round again. That'd be fucking great. Um, Do you think do you think there's added pressure on the Knicks? to do more when they make some of the decisions they make though. I, I do think that there's there's some validity to that point. And I try to I try to I try to toe the line between you to you guys' perspectives here because I understand the macro of well what are, what's the big picture? How do how do these decisions that the Knicks are making, how do the results that are happening impact the big picture? But at the same time, this is easily the most enjoyable stretch there's been to be a Knicks fan in, like you said, since arguably 99. Um, and so you want to try to keep both those things in mind, but you know, I'm going to, I'm going to blame you. You brought it up, not me. So I'll, I'll just say it. You know, when you have a guy like Emmanuel quickly averaging 24 minutes a game, it, I, I don't want to, you know, bring up Obi Toppin, but Obi Toppin did what he did in New York. And then he, now he's in Indiana with an amplified role. And he's immediately thriving in a different scenario and he couldn't do that in New York because the Knicks made short-term decisions that they thought were for the best for the short term. So don't you think there's probably, like you say, this team can't win a championship. They shouldn't be expected to contend, but if that's the case, how can you, how can they justify making some of these decisions like playing Emmanuel quickly 24 minutes a game? Don't, do you think there's any validity to that? No, I mean, look, I think there's plenty of validity to that. But I would say that, one, I would bet money that by the end of the year he's averaging over 26 minutes a game pretty easily. Um, I think that there is a difference between the front office handing Tibbs tools and how Tibbs deploys them. Like, I would, I strongly believe if the front office had their uh, their druthers uh, that, that, like, Emmanuel quickly would play more. I really fundamentally believe that. Now, I'm also of the opinion that like you have to let a coach coach. Like you can give him suggestions, and I'm and they clearly have, and he's clearly taken a lot of them on board. Um, you know, you can see it with like the three point shooting, even the stuff like this year with the uh, generating more turnovers, right? Like I don't think that that was a decision that was made lightly or without like real discussion. Like, hey, this is a way we think we could improve our defense. Tibbs has notoriously throughout his career not been like, you know, that's just not his concern. And so, like, I think when you see stuff like that, you're saying, okay, this is a collaborative approach. This is good. Um, now, as far as, like, you know, Quickly's minutes and how does that, you know, shake? I mean, you can even say the thing, same thing about Grimes, right? Like, Grimes is kind of under pressure now to deliver because there is a DiVincenzo, right? Like, there is a guy that you signed. And, like, I mean, I, I told you this before the season. I was like, the guy I'm more worried about than – fucking quickly is Grimes. Like he's the guy I was always more worried about. Uh, and I still am because I think, I think it's easy to look at these last two games and be like, Oh my God, quickly is losing minutes. We also know that he closed the Miami game, right? He closed. And I, I know where you're going to go with this Jeff. So let's not do the minutes, ca- the minutes cap thing. The point is like, to me quickly is a guy who has scenarios on this roster where he gets minutes and he plays a really important role and he is a key piece. And like, I see that for him, right? I really worry about Grimes. Cause I'm just like, what, 
he's a very good point of attack defender. His defense to me this year has dropped off a bit. Um, his three point shooting is not that great in my opinion. Like he's very good from the left corner. If you look at the rest of his shot chart, not very great. Like consistently, like he's just not, he's not a great above the break shooter. The right corner for whatever reason escapes him like mid range doesn't exist uh, at the rim. Very little volume that he gets this year. He's kind of been attacking the rim like a headless chicken. Even when he does put the ball on the deck, um, he's not confident with his handle. Like, so to me, a guy like quickly, I'm more worried about like, will Tibbs use him in the way that I would like him to be used in the rotation. I'd like him to be used. I do think stupidly or like backwards or however you want to phrase it. Like I like, I feel like Tibbs pretty consistently throughout the course of the season eventually comes back to like, Oh yeah, Emmanuel quickly is really good. I should play him a lot of minutes. It's great. Great. I'm a genius coach. I, I don't know that he's there with Quentin Grimes. Cause I've just never suspected that he feels that way about Grimes. Like I, I think he likes him obviously. Like I think he likes genuinely like, I would guess this is his favorite team he's ever coached. Just a bunch of tryhards that like our big controversy is he, our, our big controversy was uh, Josh Hart saying that, you know, he didn't feel like he was in rhythm. That was a huge controversy for a day, apparently. Um, but like, I don't know. Grimes to me, like we know that with Tibbs, he loves aggression. He loves guys that will not like not hesitate to pull the trigger. Right. More than anything like that's you hesitate. That's that's your ticket out of the rotation, out of the lineup to lose minutes, whatever. That's the thing he hates. And that's why I think he could never he never felt like he needed to give Frank any extended run. Right. And I'm not saying that was a wrong decision, you know, based on how Frank's career has gone. I mean, it was a wrong decision. Alfred Payton's fucking awful. Um, but like I get like that. That's kind of the that's the point, though. Right. Alfred Payton was terrible, but he was like he did exactly what Tibbs wanted him to do. Right. Penetrate, drive to the rim. I don't give a shit. Like, just just keep doing that. And because he did that, he's fine. Quentin Grimes, like, before the season, do you remember that interview we gave during training camp? And Grimes was talking about, like, Tibbs. The other coaches are in my ear all the time. Like, shoot the three, take the, take take shots, like, be aggressive. And you're watching this year, and I'm like, I, I don't know what you're doing. Somehow his usage has dropped this year, which is unbelievable to me. Um, and then you, like, just compare side by side, right? If we're going to view um, – you know, like I, this is how Tibbs views it, right? Like he views like DiVincenzo is Grimes, right? Like that's like the in his head, that's how he views them. If I'm him, I'm watching this and I'm like, look, I get that Grimes doesn't get the ball a lot, but when this other guy comes in, even in the same lineups, all of a sudden he's getting shots up, he's getting threes up, he's involved, like he's making things happen. And I think that's hard to ignore as a coach. And like I've just probably I've never quite been enamored with Grimes. I mean, me and Jeff, me and you have talked about this plenty. Like, I've never been enamored with Grimes the way that clearly the front office was at one point, and I think a lot of Knicks fans have been. Not to say that I I, I like him. I think he's a good player, good prospect. He's gonna have a long career, um, but he can't dribble, and you're playing a perimeter position. Like, uh, there's just not a lot I can do with that. Like, I've said this. I said this in like a pod last week or something, but like. Can you give me the KCP package? Like, can you give me the KCP dribble package? Because I'm not asking a lot here. And if you can't give me that, then we got problems. Because, like, you know, you see the pressure this puts on other guys. Like, there was a play the other day. Julius passes it to him in the corner. It's wide open from three, and it's the left corner. That's his spot. He pump fakes, puts the ball on the floor, dribbles in two steps. There's, like, six or seven seconds left on the shot clock. He chucks a grenade back out to Julius to top the key. 
it's like, and now Julius has to create something. And like, you know what? I bet you there, there are possessions that you could probably find littered through the season where something like that's, like that's happened. And I, my initial reaction, a lot of those minute in those situations probably been like, what is Julius doing? This is a terrible shot. Like, what? I can't believe this. I bet you, if you look at a lot of this stuff, like right now, you want to kill a possession, throw it to Quentin Grimes because he's killing possessions right now. There's so many, and it's selfish. It is selfish. Like, it is selfish to not take shots a lot of times. Josh Hart was doing this early in the season. It was driving me nuts. If you're open, take the shot. Like, Tibbs talks about that all the time. We've all played basketball. Is there anything more frustrating than when you, like, pass it to somebody, they're wide open, and it's like, oh, sorry, dude. Here's the ball back. And I'm like, I suck. So the fact that you passed up the shot and gave it back to me now is terrible for us <laughs> and for me personally. Um but, like, he's doing this a lot. And and I think it's just – I don't feel that way about anybody else in this team. You know, like, say whatever you want about R.J. Barrett's struggles. That man has never struggled with the concept of pull the trigger on an open shot, ever. You know, like – and that has value. DiVincenzo, Hart. Hart is now back to, like, being normal, which is great. Quickly, Brunson. I mean, Randall loves to, like, pump fake, but then shoot the shot anyway. Um, but, like, all these other guys are willing to take the, these shots. So – I don't know. Uh, I, I don't even know where, how I got here from what you asked me, but like in terms of the <laughs> macro stuff, like I think there's always casualties. Like you're always like, you don't win a championship with like, you know, a low body count. You're always going to have dudes that, yeah, you didn't maximize them or they end up going somewhere else and they have a better crew. Like they do better there than they did here. Um, you have to take risks. Like, yeah, would it be great if the Knicks were just like, you know what, we're not going to sign Dante DiVincenzo. We're going to run back this team, and we're going to give Deuce McBride minutes if need be to be the ninth guy in the rotation. And, like, I get that. I also think, like, once you hit second round, right, okay, there is pressure to at least maintain that or attempt to maintain it and keep your standing in the East. You know, like, I think you could lose in the first round to, like, you know, if you lost to Philly in, in round one in seven games – is that like a step back? Sure. But I don't think that's a real step back. That's like, okay, seedings work however they work. Um, but like the Knicks, I think it's very important that they keep their place at the top of the East. I think there's real value to consistently valuing winning. Like we see this with Miami. There's a reason why they're like guys are always open to going to Miami because they know they have good management. They know every year they're trying to win games and they're trying to win as many games as they can. And they know that if they go there, they have a coach who probably will figure out a way to like get value out of them. Um, and more than that, like it'll be one, well, one, you get to live in Miami. Two, um, you get to play competitive basketball on a team and an organization that is knitted up top to bottom in line and knows exactly what they are and exactly what they want to do. And I think the Knicks in the last basically year, since they kind of made that rotation change uh, last season, I think they have become a much more unified organization. I think they have a very clear identity now of this is how this is like, what is Knicks basketball? This is what it is. We are going to play not at a fast pace. We are going to win the possession battle. We are going to beat the shit out of you on the glass. We are going to value high value shots, right? We're, we are more ball nerds. That's what we do here. Um, and, and now you've added an element of like, okay, well, how can we turn teams over without taking huge risks? Fred Katz just wrote a piece today that was really good about this. Um, and he talked about how Jalen Brunson's lapping the league right now and like 
offensive fouls drawn. So like, this is a really, I think it's a smart organization. I think they're, they're aligned. And, you know, like think about a year ago, we're sitting here talking about like, Oh, the front office versus Tibbs, like what's happening. And now I feel like to me, I don't, I don't care if, if there's some macro risk that I haven't fully calculated about signing Dante DiVincenzo or trading for Josh Hart, because to me, those are two players that you acquired that demonstrate to me an understanding of like, what are we as a team? What does our coach value? And does this player make us better? And is this cost like at this price, does this make sense? And they have both those acquisitions to me nailed that, you know, like, and, and, you know, you can say Obi Toppin's a casualty of this, right? I much prefer having Dante DiVincenzo on this team with how we play, with what we are going to be, than Obi Toppin. Obi Toppin would never be Obi Toppin here. And we knew this. So at some like, you make mistakes. Every organization does. You have to find ways to adjust and adapt and move on and keep moving forward. Um, you know, because the, the you know, I, I know you're not saying this, Jeff or, or XJ, but like, to me, people view this like, this stuff is like, oh, well, what's the point of this move? It's not elevating our ceiling. And it's like, yeah, look, I get that. But like, you're trying to keep yourself at a floor and and strike when that ceiling raising move becomes available. Um, and to me, it's like too cut and dry where I see people being like, well, what's the point of this team? If we're not going to win a championship, we should blow it up and like tank forever. And I'm like, yeah, dude, we could be the Pistons in three years. That's awesome. Let's do that. Like, you know, it's okay to just appreciate a good basketball team that maybe doesn't have a championship ceiling yet. Um, I agree with you that at some point when you make the choice to value winning, you have to make a move that gives you that championship ceiling um, for sure. I don't think they're there right now. I do think they have some time, but I do feel like this summer feels like a pretty critical tipping point one or the other. Yeah, I, I I just want to say, you know, this is why you get Schwinnie Poo on your pod, <laughs> because that was a tremendous state of the of the union for uh, for the Knicks season so far. And I, I mean, I think it's all right. Um, I think that I don't know. I was thinking of this analogy. It's probably really stupid. But when you were talking about the Knicks really having an identity in terms of who they are and what they do and being really, really clear about what their goals are and how they're going to win games. Um, it made me think about, I don't know if either of you ever played like Yu-Gi-Oh when you were younger. I, when I was young, I played Yu-Gi-Oh cards. Okay. Anyway, you have, <laughs> um, the Jeff was gambling. He's Jeff was playing Hold'em. Yeah, exactly. yeah, probably. That, that's, is that what you were doing at lunch in middle school, <laughs> Jeff? <laughs> Playing Texas Hold'em? <laughs> I went from I went from Pokemon to poker pretty quick. Like, so I was, yes, then the answer is correct. Yes. Yeah, it was. Oh, there was there was like a wrestling stage. Ninety nine to like hmm. I was like an attitude, uh, attitude era. era. Wrestling, yeah, yeah, attitude era wrestling fan. And then, but like cards, I'm talking about like card games, like at, at the in the lunchroom. You no, know, we, we 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 would sit in lunch during like attitude era and have like wrestling drafts and debates and stuff like that that's all we talked about wow i did like not, super I nerdy wrestling shit yeah <laughs> um no the amount i know about the attitude era like remember uh, a few weeks ago you we did the whole like i can recite the playoffs from every year from the last 12 years or whatever yeah, yeah. i just the shit i know the, the shit i know about wwf attitude era is would blow your mind like just <laughs> still to this day um and then and then and then, yeah it was poker from like eighth grade on so that was that was, 
no Yu-Gi-Oh right. well, well, I I did not play poker, and I while I did watch wrestling and and was an avid fan of the Attitude Era, we did not do mock drafts of of, of wrestlers <laughs> during during lunch. We played we played Yu-Gi-Oh, and when uh you know when you play Yu-Gi-Oh, there's some guys, there's some people who have a deck that is specifically like let's say a fire deck. It's similar to Pokemon in that way. And you can have a fire deck and like stack it and be like, this is the best fire deck in the world. And you'll do damage, but you won't be able to beat everyone because it, you just need to have that versatility. And I think that's, that's kind of where the Knicks are right now. And I think that that's okay. Um, to, to, to all of Schwinn's points, I think that's totally fine. And, and probably more than fine. I mean, it's great. And it's great for us as fans of the team to watch them really be able to compete every night and never feel like they're just overwhelmed and way in over their heads. And, and I think that's awesome. Um, and Schwinn, you, you, you touched on this multiple points, but um, you were saying basically all the different ways that the Knicks have scope for improvement. You mentioned a whole bunch of ways. And that basically foreshadows our theme for this episode, which is real or not real. Um, because in a small sample, you basically, you know, you don't know what to actually pull away from it that's legit and sustainable. And um, so we want to dive into that real quick, just maybe for a couple minutes before we get into that. This is dropping on the day of the Knicks' uh, first game of the in-season tournament championship bracket, hopefully first of more than one. Um, it's going to be the Knicks against the top seeded in the East Milwaukee Bucks. I just want to ask you, Schwinn, and, and you, Jeff, both of you, um, what are you looking out for and kind of what are you expecting? Um, and then I have a, a, another question, which is at the end of the tournament, I don't know if either of you have heard, but the league is going to have a selection of five players make the quote-unquote all-tournament all team. Um, so, I, <laughs> so I'm curious if, if there's a Nick who's going to make that, that, that in-season all-tournament team as well. So those are my questions. Uh if there is a Nick that would make it, I think it's Brunson. He just is a player who I think – look, I I think this game tomorrow is going to be, like, pretty intense. Like, I think it's going to have, like, a playoff feel to it. feels like the players and the teams are really into it. But I mean, we'll get a taste of it tonight uh, with the uh, two games that are happening tonight. So, I mean, I, this is going to be, like, the first time I'm going to be choosing regular season NBA basketball over Monday Night Football in a long time. So, um yeah, that means I'm it's very, successful for the NBA. That's exactly yeah, what they want. <laughs> right. I'm I'm excited for this. I think it's going to be intense. I think I am. Shwin, I, Shwin, I just Shwin, I just want to say, at some point in our relationship, I'm going to get you to not have to choose. You, you're just you're you're too up, you're too high up in the sports world to be to be choosing between Monday Night Football and NBA. You gotta we gotta get you at least a second TV in your play. It's it's not about having. I have a second screen. <laughs> whatever. It's just like. If I'm watching something, I just kind of I can't do like the six different things going on. It just it's too much for me. Especially if it's like all NBA, I can do that, or if it's all NFL, I can do that. When it's like two different sports, I'm like, I'm like man, they really need to go for it on third down here with 17 seconds left on the shot clock. Wait, what? What am I talking about? Here? <laughs> um, but like, yeah, no, I think so. I'm looking forward to that, and I'm looking forward to not just necessarily the Knicks, but really all coaches. I'm very interested to see how these coaches treat this game in terms of their rotations and their minutes and everything. Because personally, while I would like, I would be very specific in my message to the team. If I were coaching them, like, Hey, like we're treating this like a must win game, blah, blah, blah. Like I would make it clear that we value it. I would still coach this with a regular season rotation in my mind, because I think this gives you an opportunity to learn some stuff about players and how they react to like, again, to the it's a one game sample. So take it for what, what it's worth. But like, you know, we saw Emmanuel quickly struggle offensively in the playoffs last year, right? 
let's see how he reacts in a game like this where there are stakes. It's an elimination game. Julius Randle, I mean, forget quickly. Like Julius Randle, we know, like has been a nightmare uh, in, in postseason basketball. And like, let's see how he reacts. He's also going against a matchup that he historically has not done very well against um, in Milwaukee with Giannis and Brooke. You know, these are the things that I'm like probably I would be focused on as a coach because I want to have as much information on these guys as I have. Like Dante DiVincenzo has not been a great playoff player, you know. Um, I'm interested to see how he performs in this situation. So, like, th- those are the things I'm most interested in. And also, it would just be really nice if R.J. Barrett could, like, have a decent shooting game again. That would be really fantastic for me personally and for Jeff. <laughs> yeah, no, um, I just want to say I expect the Knicks to win. I think I, I'm i going into that game with – first of all, I, I think – I, I think Tibbs is going to coach this game closer to a playoff game than Schwinn is hoping for. He just seems no, like I, oh, I believe I, I believe he will. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I, I just think he's that type of personality. I, I can see Brunson playing over forty minutes. Um, I think I think Tibbs is going to go for. It. I think he's a competitive guy, and I think yeah, I just I think I think that he's going to coach this like a playoff game, and I think the Knicks are better than the Bucks right now. Um, I know Giannis has been great lately. He's been he somehow after a slow start to the season already back in the top five of EPM, which is remarkable. Um, Lillard's coming on. They're 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 kind of they're they're finding their their way as a tandem, and they do balance each other out so well. Um, in theory, they should be just they should be the best duo in the NBA. They just haven't figured out the surrounding pieces at all. Um, and it really feels like a lot of times they're playing two on five out there. They, 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 they also like don't play off of each other enough, which I don't think is because yeah. they don't want to. It feels like a coaching thing. Um, Zach Lowe talked about this on his pod last week, which I can't believe I haven't listened to a low pod in forever, but I did listen to this one. Uh, but he, he said like their average, they only ran like 11 pick and rolls together against Chicago. Um, that was a game they lost in overtime to the fighting Alex Caruso's, but like, um, it, 11 pick and rolls for those two is a joke. Like, you know, what are we talking about here? That's you, you have to, you'd have, you have to imagine that somebody in that organization understands that with Brooke and Middleton and Beasley spacing and Dame getting blitzed the way you have to blitz him when you set a screen for him, getting Giannis the ball going downhill, like that is an unstoppable option. You have to, you have to imagine that they know that that is there for them. And they're just trying other stuff to see what other stuff they have. That has to I, be yeah. it. I, I do want to say real quick. I mean, they, they are six in the NBA in offense. And I, I, I know we're, we're measuring them against the standard where they should be like the one or two best offensive team in the NBA. But they are six in the NBA in offense. Second in effective field goal percentage. Like they are really dominating in the half court in terms of their effectiveness as well. So I, I just want to say they're doing really well, even a suboptimal uh, kind of strategizing. Yeah. And and Brooke Brooke has looked good again. I was a little bit worried about him to start the year, but like he's picked it up the last few weeks. So I think that's a huge thing for them. Middleton, we'll see. I, I don't know. I he just, he just not look great. By the way, Jeff, uh, Knicks plus one sixty eight on Fanduel money line. I'm in. I mean, but I mean, I was in on the Eagles yesterday too. So <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm full. So was I. Um, Thanks a lot, pal. <laughs> yeah, my bad. Um, I think God, the Dolphins care of us. Uh, one other buck I want to talk about is Malik Beasley. 
I think he's huge for them. I know I mentioned him a bit early. They just need as much shooting as they can have around these two guys. And if Beasley can be kind of what he profiles to be, but he's uh what do you always say, Schwinn? He's the spacer that was promised or whatever. You know, like <laughs> he's he's been promised to be a spacer for years, a three and D guy, and he's never really fully come through. And he's getting 30, 35 minutes a night for the past week or two um, as their starting shooting guard. And I think if he can settle in as a guy you trust to take six, seven threes a game playing off Lillard and Giannis, that opens things up for them. Um, but that's going to take some time. Right now, with how the Knicks are playing and the Bucks still finding their way, and as Schwinn alluded to, they're not even really running their optimal offense right now. I just think this is a game the Knicks should win. Um, and I expect them to win. So that's my comment on the in-season tournament game. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I, I I don't feel as as confident about it. I think the Bucks to me seem like they're kind of getting their rhythm, especially offensively. I think that just the fact that Dame hasn't played at anywhere near the level he was offensively last year, like maybe a fraction of what he was doing last year, and they still have the number two effective field goal percentage in the NBA is is pretty incredible to me. To me, like their weakness has been their defense so far this season. Uh, they uh, they do not turn the ball over, which is great. Um, and they are okay rebounding team, and they you know they don't really stop teams in the half court. So I think that's that's the opportunity that the Knicks have. But you know we'll we'll see how it plays out. The Dame the Dame Beasley backcourt's really bad, and like honestly, this is a game where I could just see Grimes minutes disappearing because like the advantage you have is against their backcourt, and if. You can like, I mean, that last game, there were a couple plays, even Grimes was one of Grimes or Grimes' better games. But even in that game, there were a couple of plays where like he catches the ball, he has Dame, and he's just like, uh, like passes it off. I'm like, that's food right there. That is like, you know, that that's food in the NBA. Like Dame Lillard is not a good defensive player, is great, great offensive player, amazing offensive player, but not a good defensive player. And like, I'm not saying you gotta attack him every time, but you gotta attack him. A time, like a time has to happen. <laughs> yeah, so, I, I, I yeah. totally agree with that because I, I always say that, you know, I hate when opponents are able to hide their smallest and weakest guards on Grimes. And it's really frustrating because, you know, Atlanta does this with Trey Young. Obviously, yep. it's the first one that I think of. And I'm always just like, if, if Trey Young is going to hide on Grimes and it be able to do that successfully, he almost can't play in those games. Like, you, you have to have somebody there who can take advantage. Um, and, and, and so I totally agree with that point. Yeah. It's such a, it's such a wild transformation too, because the Knicks overachieve in 2020, 2021, and then Reggie Bullock gets exposed because he can't do anything with Trey Young on him. <laughs> and so they go out and get Evan Fournier because Evan Fournier can do stuff like Evan Fournier is a shooting guard that can theoretically do stuff when you hide your worst defender on him. And they're like, no, we need defense. And so Grimes was supposed to be the, <laughs> the the bridge between those two things. And now Grimes is like worse off worse with the ball in his hands than Reggie Bullock was and less willing to shoot. And it's like, yeah, Reggie Bullock playing 40 minutes a night was annoying, but at least he shot every time he was open. You know, like it, he did shoot did every you, time he was open. But did you know that Quentin Grimes played point guard in high school, Jeff? <laughs> I've, I've heard the rumor. You haven't seen the ball is life footage, Jeff? 